HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Bento Box, a hospitality platform that empowers restaurants through their own website. With Bento Box, you get every restaurant website feature you need and more, all in one place. Opening soon listeners get 50% off their new website setup fee at getbento.com slash opening soon. That's G-E-T-B-E-N-T-O dot com slash opening soon. Now streaming from HRN, this is The Feed Feed. I'm Jay Cohen, Editorial Director of The Feed Feed, the world's largest crowdsourced food publication and social media community, serving as your daily source of what to cook, bake, and drink. Occasionally joined by our co-founders, Julie and Dan Resnick, we sit down with leaders and upstarts of the food media realm. So we often say that we're, as Feed Feed, answering this sort of age-old question, which is, what do we eat for fill-in-the-blank, breakfast, lunch, dinner? Our approach to doing so involves lifting up voices from culinary content creators all over the world, no matter how big or small their following is. This podcast takes the democratization of food media one step further by giving a behind-the-scenes look of the Epicurean magazines, websites, videos, and accounts you digest every day. We'll discuss everything from breaking into the industry, navigating social media. That's been my bigger social media thing is like, I think like I just get bored very quickly. And even when things are working really well, I'm like, everyone's doing this. I don't want to do this anymore. Building and growing community. People are like, why is it five E's? And I'm like, I don't know. When you say eats, how many E's does that feel like it sounds like? And that's why. No real good rhyme or reason to any of it. But that's also kind of been our style this whole time and producing content that resonates with young and old. You know, if someone doesn't like my writing or the photographs of my book or the design, that's subjective. But if I see that a recipe didn't work, that I really failed someone. So whether you want to know what goes into food styling a magazine cover, the process of getting a cookbook deal, understanding what the hell TikTok is, or grasping how a recipe can go viral. I mean, I guess the thing about going viral, too, is that... um, then it becomes, it's out there and, and people start claiming it as their own. And that's happened a few times recently with that tart, which is sort of depressing. Mm, but drag them. <laughs> Name names. I'm not naming no. any names, but you know who you are. <laughs> we'll be covering it all. This is the Feed Feed Podcast. Subscribe to the Feed Feed wherever you get your podcasts.
Opening a restaurant is like opening an oyster. Sometimes it opens up perfectly without any fuss. Sometimes the shell shatters and you eat it anyway. And once in a lifetime, you find a pearl. That quote comes from Sean Brock, chef and owner of Soon to Open Audrey in Nashville, Tennessee. And this is opening soon on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Alex McCreary. And I'm your host, Jenny Goodman. Welcome to season three of Opening Soon. If you've listened to our past two seasons, thanks. We're stoked to have you back. If not, then go back to hear some of the world's greatest chefs and restaurateurs go through the steps they took to open their acclaimed restaurants. This season, we're mixing it up. We're interviewing chefs and restaurateurs as they actively open a restaurant. We'll be chatting before and after a milestone moment to hear the preparation and later, of course, get the skinny on how it all went down. So you have your restaurant concept and you're ready to hit the ground running. But where do you start? Well, if you're in New York City and your business plan includes selling alcohol, you actually may need to start with your liquor license. In fact, one of our past um, guests, the attorney Robert Bookman, had recommended that as soon as you're serious about a lease, go ahead and start the liquor license application process. So our guests today are Alina Yamamoto and Yael Pete. They are the co-chefs of the forthcoming restaurant Furies on Christopher Street in New York City's West Village. Furies is a Kapo-style Japanese restaurant, and they are planning to open in the summer of 2020. Keep your fingers crossed for them. They're shaking their heads. Yes, yes, hopefully. Um, So we first chatted with Alina and Yael on January 14th as they were beginning their liquor license process. So we're going to go ahead and hear what that conversation sounded like. We're just going to pop right into conversation. So... Yael and Elena, tell us what is going on and where you are in your project right now. Uh, hi, this is Yael. <laughs> hi. We're being weird. Um, <laughs> yeah, so basically we just uh, signed a lease on a space in the West Village, um, and we are kind of in the process of getting a liquor license. That's like our first order of business. Um and our business partner's kind of working on, he's like working on all the permitting and stuff. Um, I don't know, there's a lot of things happening all at once, (laughs) but our personal focus right now is just getting the liquor license. So tell us a little bit about what it's entailing so far to get the liquor license and you guys have a big meeting this week if you wanna tell us a little bit about that as well. Well, I didn't even realize that a part of the liquor license process was going out onto the street with a clipboard and trying to wrangle your neighbors and convince them that you're not trying to sell something and that you just want to talk to them. Um, And I guess at first that process feels kind of archaic in a digital world. You know, you wonder why you can't just leave them a flyer or shoot them an email and how you end up waiting in the cold for someone to come out of their apartment just to say, hey, you, stop for a second. (laughs) Um, But this whole process was great and had this underlying benefit of telling people about our project and and marketing. And surprisingly, I would say most people were really receptive to speaking with us, which was such a nice, nice thing, and um, actually looked forward to having something in their neighborhood because Christopher Street seems to have had a lot of shuttered uh, businesses right now. And in general, people just want to have somewhere to eat and they want their street to look busy and nice and and healthy. So um, we just went through that process over the last couple of weeks. So how many signatures have you collected so far? Four pages worth. Um, 
Yeah, four, four and a half. Oh, so like 80 to 100 signatures? Yeah. To 100. And is there a certain target that you were trying to reach? It was just as many as we could get. And I mean, it's been cold, so we haven't. It's like, basically, we'll, if we're in the neighborhood, we're like, okay, let's do an hour. And it's really just like an hour of standing on the street and freezing your butt off and trying to get people to sign. So I don't know. I think it's a good, I mean, I think it's a good barometer it seems like when you when you think about it before that it's just the, you know the community board that's sort of pushing you to do something that doesn't really need to be done. But I, in a lot of ways, like you said, you know, it's a good barometer to know that the neighborhood actually wants what you're doing there. Yeah, totally. So I think it is important, and it pro it's probably really great for you guys as getting ready to open the business to to sort of feel that and to have that first interaction with the people that may be your first guest walking in the door. Yeah, I mean, it's been like it's like been exciting because I, I mean I knew the West Village but I didn't know the West mm -hmm. Village and so now actually having spent however many hours we've spent walking around talking to people I've gotten really excited I'm like yeah we totally nailed this location <laughs> <laughs> like, this, is, this is where we want to be and and like it's also it's like fun getting to know the neighbors too like these are people that we've seen there's some people that we see every time we go out and they say hi and we know their dogs now and like and that's cool because part of hospitality is being a good neighbor and so it's like a nice way to kickstart the process I mean, that's a huge part of, of being you know a neighborhood restaurant you need your locals to want to be on board so that's awesome that you're already getting a warm reception so basically we were talking a little bit before and you said you signed the lease and then started this process of applying for your liquor license. So tell us about who the other key players have been, you know, did you hire a lawyer? What kind of paperwork has been involved? Tell us some of the unsexy details. <laughs> um, we actually started it before we even signed the lease because um, we knew we were going to sign it. So it's just a long process. So our business partner, was just like we're we're doing this. Um, we got our lawyer on it pretty early on, and they sent us um, like the petition forms, um, all of our personal information stuff. Uh, so I don't know what do we have to send in headshots, all of our like background info, every job that we've had for the past like it was basically five like years. applying for an apartment, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or a job. You know, it felt a lot like that, but. Um, financials too, and financials do you even have to do like fingerprints? Three, three you three didn't months. have to do prints. So maybe that's when you actually get your license that you yeah, have to I submit prints. So. Um, for financials, it was like three months of stuff. Yeah. And what about all your partners, right? Because in New York City, there's some, you know, there's some nuances there. So you guys are still in the midst of fundraising. Tell us, you know, what happens with the partners? Did you have to submit for them? Um, so right now, yes, we did have to submit for them. Um, Luckily, we don't have too many people involved at this point, so that wasn't, we didn't have to wrangle a lot of people. I'm not really sure what happens um, now, though, because as we're in, like, we're a little less than halfway through our fundraising, and we're um, taking a lot smaller investments than we had originally intended, so that means there's a lot more people involved. So I'm not really sure how what happens then, like if they have to all go through this process as well, but. How was the reception of the current partners to now being required to go on, you know, have their background checks or 
their financials disclosed for a liquor license? Was was everybody cool with it? What were they understanding? Um, they were. I think everyone thought it was like a little bit weird and, and basic. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, you've asked these people for a lot of money, and now you're going back and saying like, yeah. okay, tell me even more about yourself. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's probably a good thing too, just to like. It makes it makes it very real for everyone. It's like, okay, you know, you're actually doing this, and you're actually giving us this money, and this isn't just like something that we've been talking about anymore. Sure. Um, but also, it's like, I don't know. I just had to reassure them. It's like, okay, they just want to know that you didn't get your money in some sort of shady fashion. Right. So, and right. and they're also checking that they're not invested in any other like yes. liquor or alcohol brands, so like yeah. no wine brands or anything like that too. So. Yeah, and that they aren't money laundering through your restaurant. <laughs> it's a very important key point here yeah. for the State Liquor Authority. Mm-hmm. Um, so you hired a lawyer, and he's walking you through the process. Mm-hmm. How did you find the lawyer? Um, so our other partner, Simon, um, he has a bunch of different restaurants, and it's a lawyer that he's been working with, I think. Yeah, and his, his stuff is of a similar demographic in similar neighborhoods. He's opening something around the corner, for instance, so... Um, we just kind of let him take the wheel because it's our first time and we just kind of get to watch the process. Um, and he always lets us chime in with questions because I know even coming out of this room, we're going to have 10 more, (laughs) but there's, there's so much data and so many different issues we're working on right now. Sometimes it's just easier to to take everything one day at a time. we We say this every week, it's focus on what you're good at and then find really great people to do the things that may not be your, your strong suit. Um, I forgot my question. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, so you have a big meeting coming up this Thursday. Mm-hmm. Do you want to tell us what, what's going on? Um, we have our community board meeting. <laughs> um, I don't, I'm not entirely sure what to expect, um, I guess. So we're community board two in Manhattan. And um, it sounds like they meet in like a church basement. And uh, we've heard that they're scary and <laughs> that it's a tough, a tough one. Um, scary in what way? Um, well, okay. For example, we were talking to our upstairs neighbor, um, who lives above the restaurant and he was complaining about the people who were going to sign the lease before us. They're like, well, you know, they were going to open this tiki bar and have bongos in the backyard. And, <laughs> and like, he was just like, pretty upset about it. He's like, I was going to rally the neighborhood and we were all going to go to the community board and protest. You're like, oh shit. So scrap the, <laughs> scrap the bongos in the backyard. I don't even know what my community board is in the neighborhood that I live in, let alone when they have meetings and what they're about and what, you know, I just, yeah, but there are people like but this, this dude, is a neighborhood that's very involved. Yeah, and he's right. lived there for 53 right. years. And as we're standing there talking to him, he's waving to people on the street. Like, it seems like the West Village in particular is a very tight-knit group mm-hmm. of people who have lived there for a long time. They have a lot of, like, neighborhood pride. So, Did you rally him to come to the community board meeting yet? <laughs> we talked to him for half an hour in the bitter cold, and he seemed to like us. He said we made his night, so. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> we were so cold. I looked at Alina, and I'm like, I think I'm going to vomit. <laughs> it, was, it was 10 degrees out, and he just. Did he sign the petition? He, he did. Signed it. But he kept wanting to talk, and we're like, well, this is so good right now. Like, he's our upstairs neighbor. He's, 
you know, going to be someone yeah. who could be a huge ally to us and also we can affect his life. So it was really important to get to know him. Yeah. But I don't, I don't think that he's coming to the community. He might. We don't know. We don't Why? know. Go slip a little we note and flowers on his yeah. door and be like, be hope to we see you. Slip, we should slip a note. I bet it would make his day. Maybe. <laughs> there might be a lot of people at the community board who are like 70 or 80 years old using the word racket a lot. So. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So basically at the community board meeting, you go and you're on the docket. So you're on the agenda. And yeah. then do you get up and present your business plan? What what happens? And tell us, to you guys are applying for, there's lots of different liquor licenses. There's beer only, there's beer and wine, there's full liquor. What are you going for? Um, we're applying for full liquor. Um, and I don't know exactly what happens. It sounds like um, everyone there is going to get, like our lawyers preparing like a packet of our you know, business plan, our pitch deck, our, like, basically an introduction to all of the parties involved in this project, and then um, it's really up to us to kind of, like, explain it and then answer questions, and basically we've been told to emphasize the fact that we're a restaurant and we don't want to party and um, we just want background music. Yeah, they say (laughs) downplay the noise and the alcohol, but I feel like... In, in theory, I feel confident going in because we're not going to be a rowdy place at all. Both spaces are going to be really <clears throat> intimate. Um, it's not going to be a shots bar. I don't imagine people stumbling out at four in the morning getting drunk. So I'm like, well, we don't have a lot to hide. So hopefully, yeah, the, hopefully um, that works in our favor, you know? Yeah, I'm hoping just because the restaurant that existed in the space before had a full liquor license, it shouldn't be too difficult for us to get it. Uh, the biggest question is really about the hours. Um, we want to serve until midnight, which shouldn't be a problem, but our other, um, our friend who's taking over the, the other half of the space and is going to do a Japanese cocktail bar, she wants to serve until 2. And we've been hearing that it's most likely going to get pushed to be a 1 o'clock close, um, which is definitely not ideal for a cocktail bar, but... Um, as long as they don't push her to midnight, I think it'll be okay. Are those, are any of those things, um, once you get your initial liquor license, are there any of those things that can be amended later on, or is it like what you get is what you get? I got the impression that what you get is what you get. Um, and basically, once you have it, you can do what you like, you know. Say, for example, we had promised that we were going to be, like, super silent and, like, not have any music. Once you have your liquor license, they can't really tell you what to do. Um, <laughs> Just try not to abuse it. Yeah. Right. Don't be a shitty neighbor, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, like, we're not planning on going crazy, so that shouldn't be an issue. But I think the hours are pretty non-negotiable once they, right. once they settle on it. So what happens after the community board meeting? So you have the meeting, you present your ideas, or you try to woo them with cookies and milk and hope that they say, yes, you have everything. And then what's the next step? Give you an answer on the spot. Yeah. I actually don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm, and now I'm like, should we bring snacks? <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Like some Japanese cocktail mix? Hello. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what's going to happen. Um, I guess we'll see. I... I'm sure that they're not, I don't know. I highly doubt that they vote on it on the on the spot. I think that there's like a deliberation process that probably right, happens. Well, your dreams and away from you so you don't have to see them. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to cry in front of our neighbors. <laughs> probably, we'll probably meet with our other partner before the meeting on Thursday and we'll just 
we should just jot down any other questions we have and do a run through with him before we go in there. And For sure, you guys are going to do like. A, um, sorry, I was going to say, are you going to do like a whole practice run, like have some like angry neighbors come in and pepper you with questions? Oh, <laughs> yeah. like, uh, it's probably a good idea. I don't know. We're running out of time though. It's only a couple of days away. <laughs> um, what happens if this doesn't go the way you want? Is there? Can you go back? Is there a waiting period? Do you have to change things that the board might bring up? How does it work? Um, I believe that we can continue to apply. Um, I, I'm not sure if there's a waiting period. Um, they only hear these things once a month, though. So we would have to wait at least until February um, or the following month or whatever. So it's really, you know, I guess there's a built-in 30-day um, waiting period. Um, I don't, yeah, I guess it depends on what they would get upset about. If it's about hours or if it's about the style of whatever. I don't know. There's not a lot that we can change to our concept. Right. Just to get I think the only sense. variable really with us is, is hours. I mean, with our noise level being low and, you know, yeah, and everything else. Yeah, this is one of the times where... Um, I don't know, racial profiling is, is to our benefit because every time we say it's a Japanese restaurant, they're like, oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> like, so calm, so quiet. <laughs> so. I love it. Cool. All right. And then any ideas about how long the whole process, you're expecting the whole process to take? Like after you have the community board meeting, you know, are you thinking it's going to be another, like the SLA application process? Right. What, what happens after the meeting in terms of that? Yes. The community board is not, does not necessarily mean that you have a license in your hand in a week, right? Right. Yeah. Um, I don't really know what happens. I mean, I'm assuming the lawyer just kind of like takes over from there once like the community board gives their yes or their no. Um, and then that's probably when we do like fingerprinting and all of that stuff. Um, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing it's probably gonna take another month after. I'm safely assuming that it's going to take months because that's why we're doing it right now. <laughs> yeah. Having, having the foresight, you know, um, especially yeah, if we have to reapply. Yeah. And there's other, um, there's usually other parameters of getting the license, like proximity to a school or a church or the number of full liquor licenses on the same block? Or did you guys meet all those things? Are those, again, are those things that your lawyer can argue with the SLA or with the community board? How does that work? Um, it, uh, there is a church down the street, but I think it's far enough away. Yeah, it's um, two blocks. I think it needs to be 700 feet away. Okay. Yeah. And... It's, also, it's the entrance, too, or something, right? Yeah, it's, it's the entrance. It's the entrance. Okay. It's not the building. Um, I think also because the restaurant that had been there before had an existing license, that's, like, a very good precedent to have. It means that, like, there shouldn't be a lot of roadblocks um, in terms of, like, the logistical things. It's really... We also... We got an email recently. What was the name of that group? Oh, so... Some sort of neighborhood community group. It, it was the Block Association. The Block Association um, is supporting us, and they seem really excited about us opening, so I think that's a big right. plus. Yeah. But like I said before, in general, the uh, energy of the neighborhood feels like they really want businesses there, especially ones that they can like and trust. They don't want more... You know, vape shops and tattoo parlors, which are rampant in Westworth. I myself have plenty of tattoos, but <laughs> you see like $15 Fridays and you're like, oh my God, I'm going to get a staff infection. <laughs> um, 
But, you know, I just think they're excited to see a well thought out uh, project with really present owners. And it it, it seems like we've got support of the community itself. So now we just need to bring that to the the, board. uh, Yeah, the lawyer is the one that actually contacted the the Block Association. Mm -hmm. Just Mm -hmm. been like, they gave them our pitch deck. They're like, hey, this is what we're trying to do. And, like, we've been told, like, I guess we don't request a meeting with them. They request a meeting with you. But it's, it's like, like the godfather of yeah. the block association. <laughs> yeah, but basically, like, it's just a, you know, giving them a heads up. And then it seems like they're all really, really excited about it. So Awesome. Well, we're sending you super positive vibes. And um, this was a great precursor. So I can't wait to catch up in, you know, a few weeks and yeah. see what happened. Hopefully it all works out and we have good news <laughs> to tell you. <laughs> All right. So that was our pre-interview with Alina and Yael, and they are here live today. But before we catch up with them, we're going to go to a super quick break. This episode is brought to you by Bento Box. Bento Box empowers restaurants to own their presence, profits, and relationships directly through their own website. BentoBox provides full-service website design, digitally accessible solutions, SEO best practices, and best-in-class support. Plus, you can increase profits both in and out of your restaurant with online ordering, catering, gift cards, and events. BentoBox is trusted and loved by over 5,000 restaurants worldwide, including Union Square Hospitality Group, The Meatball Shop, Suvla, Luke's Lobster, Lilia, Emmy Squared, Eleven Madison Park, and many more. With BentoBox, you can get every restaurant website feature you need and more, all in one place. Opening soon listeners get 50% off their new website setup fee at getbento.com slash opening soon. That is G-E-T-B-E-N-T-O dot com slash opening soon. Okay, so we are back and we're dying to know what happened because <laughs> Alina and Yael were not telling us. It's been mum's the word, so we're going to learn as our listeners do. So, And just a heads up for the listener, it's been about two, three weeks since our first conversation? Yes. Okay. Two weeks. Mm-hmm. Two Go weeks. ahead. All right, what happened? I thought Where do you want to start? <laughs> do you, have, do you, have, any... you have a liquor license. No. No, we don't. <laughs> okay, not the end of the world. Not the end of the what world. What happened? Um, so we got... Uh, the whole, the whole process was a, a little bit different than I thought that it was going to be. We actually got to stay to the end of the meeting, which was, like, almost four hours long. It was a yes. very long night. You got to stay, or they, like, punished you and were like, you're going last? No. Well, so there's there a lot of things ahead of us, but there was another issue after. But then they go into deliberation at the end of the meeting. Interesting. So if you want to stay and find out what happened, you um, can. You so just they let you through. listen to the deliberation? Yes. yes. Okay. Um, and so we listened and we learned a lot about what they liked and they didn't like about our, about our pitch, but we basically got, um, kind of, um, like a, a conditional denial and it was, uh, it, they, they had an issue with us because we didn't have one particular permit in order to knock down a wall to combine the two spaces. Um, you had already done this? You had already knocked the wall down? No. No. 
Okay. We're, we were in the process of applying for this permit. So remind gotcha. our, so basically you guys have a, a lease on, just so our listeners yes. are clear, you have a lease on a space that is actually going to be two spaces, but you're going to use shared yes. access. So yeah, it's, it's, two, it's two addresses. It shares a basement. It shares a backyard. We want to knock down one wall to connect the two spaces, and there will be a bar on the one side run by a friend of ours, and then we'll have the other side. And you're on one liquor license together. One liquor license together. Um, and so because we didn't have that one permit, they were like, well, you know, th- how can we vote on something that's just theoretical? Like once they get their paperwork in order, they just don't have their paperwork in order. Like once that's, that's together, then sure, I guess, kind of. So it was a, it was a no with kind of the expectation that if we go back with everything like set up and all everyone's like, you know. All of our all of our permits are set, our certificate of occupancy, all of that. Then it looks like we'll get their approval. Okay. Before we get into what happens next, <clears throat> take us back and kind of set the scene, because there were a lot of questions about what this was going to look like, who the people were, how busy it was, is it actually in a church basement? Um, Take us back and tell us a little about how scary the process was and what, what it actually turned out to be in, in the flesh. Okay, so it was in a church basement. Uh, it was very hot and dry. We desperately needed water. The first, the first Always remember to bring water to your yeah. community. Wait, did you bring snacks? No. Aw, okay. The first person we met was a neighbor, and he was told to look out for us. And he had a grievance by by our upstairs neighbor that we talked about. Yep, before. by our upstairs the friendly neighbor. friendly neighbor. Friendly and this other one is also a friendly. Is yes. A, well, okay. he okay. he wasn't sure if he was friendly until he met us, and then he that became was, friendly. He sized you okay. up. <laughs> yeah, he sized us up. Um, he was like, "I heard that this was happening, and I wanted to come and complain, but now that I've talked to you." Well, that's awesome. And it turns <laughs> out good. Yeah. all the people who came to complain about our business had a huge grievance with our backyard. Um, it's up against other residential backyards it's in like a, a courtyard. It's a courtyard, yeah. And it's the, the only business backyard. Yes. Yeah. So and everything else is They were very concerned with the noise bouncing around in there. So sure. everyone we're, who complained was about that. And we weren't even factoring that in because we weren't intending on having and service. On our application, it says, you know, is there a backyard? Yes. Are you intending to use it? No. So we just didn't so think it was going to come up. Why are you guys not intending to use the backyard? Is it because of this issue or is it like just not part of? Um, it's just not really part of the concept. Um, because Capo Style, and like this is kind of what I explained to them too, Capo Style is about a chef-customer relationship. So, you know, like the, the idea is to have that direct contact, um, and that's why we want to have mostly counter seating. Um, so the whole idea of having people out of arm's reach, let alone out of eyesight, just doesn't really jive with what we're doing. So right. having a backyard... We were going to maybe use it as kind of like a waiting area if that was, you know, if people come early for their reservation or something, but it was staunchly opposed. Okay. The other thing is that it wasn't really in our budget to build out a backyard, Mm -hmm. and we didn't pay a premium on the lease to have a space of the backyard, so it's not too much skin off of our back, but I mean, the people were complaining about hearing the chef outside on his cell phone in the middle of the day, which... You know, that's a lot of sound to, to police to be upset about someone on their phone in the middle of the day. But I mean, but you hear people on the street in the middle. That's a little bit of a, like, a it's, silly Yeah, you live, in a, you live it, in a city. Right, right. 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 Move to the suburbs. A woman the sat down and read us a letter of 
what if she wanted to read to her grandchild and and it was too it was loud in the backyard. Melodramatic. It was very yeah. Oh my god. Okay, so there, so there was, was a little bit of melodrama. From but we the agreed we agreed not noise. to use the backyard, and that helped our case a lot. Okay, yeah. we're probably just going to turn it into a garden, just clean it up for now. Mm-hmm. And um, as it turns out, a lot of places did come to make amendments. Because um, we were saying before, can you make amendments on ours and stuff? It turns out you can. And the first four restaurants before us uh-huh. were all amending their licenses. I see. So, they so had like pre-existing licenses, right? That they were so in the future, if we want to do something with the backyard, we can address it later. Right. Yeah, like as you're a good neighbor and right. people can see yeah. that you're not this shots bar that you're promising not to be. At, right. You know, maybe. So you had some neighbors come specifically to sort of protest your yeah. license. What were the yeah. other? Specifically. Oh. How many? Tell us about the the board. You know, a bunch of people. Are they very tenured residents? Are there some younger influence there? Yeah. So there was about like seven or eight people and they ranged in age probably from like late 30s, early 40s to, I don't know, that one. 70s. 70s. <laughs> there was one woman who was like 88, yeah. 89 years old. Yeah, she's, she'd been there forever, probably. I don't, I, I'm curious as, like, how, how do they get on the board? Because it sounded like, um, one of the earlier restaurants that was petitioning was like, oh, you know, can you recap? Because this person wasn't on the board last time and, you know, when they met a year ago or something. So it seems like it is a board that changes a little bit, but I wonder, I'm sure you have to own property in order to be on that. Also, I don't know why you would want to, because it's such a a huge time suck every month to go and like listen to people complain about things. Yeah. How, how long was the meeting? So there was like a two hour, tell us like about the length of the meeting, what, how it shook out. It was a yeah. solid. It was like four, at least four hours. Yeah. How many Before, people presented in that time? Um, seven. Yeah. Everyone and they was had, like they half had cancellations hour. too. They had like two really? or three restaurants that like ended up not being on the, like they were on the paper, but they didn't. They didn't get to them in time. Well, they Just didn't, they full didn't disclosure, come. We've got our, we've got nanny issues today. So <laughs> if you hear baby screaming in the background, that's our baby. She's happy. I, she's not screaming. She's uh, enjoying the conversation yes. and the microphones, but Joining she's in. trying to chime in. She doesn't like community boards either. Apparently. <laughs> Um, now I lost all train of thought. So tell me how, so then you guys get called, you go up, are you presenting your case? Is there someone else on your behalf presenting your case? Everybody else had a lawyer. Okay. But for us, it was the two of us and our other partner who was prepared to handle. No, I think, I think it made the community board feel like we were more human and more involved in our project personally. That makes sense. Um, and our other partner had like logistical answers that we might not have understood because he's been a part of build outs and openings before. Okay. Were there any questions thrown at you guys that you felt like you didn't have the right answer to or, um, you weren't prepared for necessarily? I don't know. I I found the entire thing a lot easier than I thought it was going to be because okay. it was just, you know, I know what our concept is inside and out. I know how to talk about the food. I know how to t- talk about the drinks. I know hospitality. So everything they asked, I was like, well, you know, sure. Like, I can I can talk to you about our service dog and talk to you about our music or whatever. Right. Um, the, the only things where I felt a little bit out of my depth was the the building stuff because the occupancy thing kept coming up and this issue with ha- the one half of the space that's going to be the bar space um, they're like well you know they were operating in that space illegally 
So the previous owners yes. were operating in that space illegally. And yes. in what way? And that was <clears throat> gut wrenching. So they um <laughs> they it's it's a toss up like no one really knows what that space is technically licensed for. So now we're doing a deep dive into the DOB to find out what the last like certificate of How occupancy sounds, was. Like not. was it retail? Was it whatever? Because it hasn't been in use except for by this restaurant for the last thirty years as a private dining room, which was technically not legal. But interesting because right. I remember you guys saying that it was like boarded up basically. Yeah, well they kept the gate down the whole time and everyone kind of knew that it was happening but there was no way to like bust them or whatever. Right. I so. mean I think probably they could have um, if they really wanted to but it didn't seem to be a huge issue I guess. I don't know but it, it has become an issue now because they're like well you know if it wasn't a restaurant before, it's another address technically. So that means we're expanding a liquor license. And then they were talking about bar creep, this idea of like, you know, you're adding more restaurants with this precedent of having a liquor license in a space. So then all of a sudden the whole neighborhood is restaurants, which to me is kind of like a really dumb complaint because yeah. <laughs> don't you want places to eat out and <laughs> well, not to have empty stores? It's also parts? the West Village. I don't think yeah. like you guys are that. What's but also every time you open a business, you have to apply for a liquor license again. So it's not like a new business would be grandfathered in at all. Yeah, it right. just it's like okay, just because there's precedent, there's no guarantee because we didn't we didn't get one, and the previous uh, the previous owners had one. So so then what's the what's the answer to this? Do we go you go back to the so board on that one? Or? We have since found out, like we talked to our lawyers after the whole thing, um, and they were like, so actually, Community Board Two has been reprimanded for this in the past. They cannot deny a liquor license based on a building issue. They can only deny it based on like you know community. Quality opinion, of life, the quality yeah. of life, stuff like that. So, because they've been reprimanded in the past for it, we can technically just go above their heads. So they're sort of overstepping their own yes. authority at the moment. Yes, um, and also, you don't. You can apply for a liquor license directly to the SLA without you know, going through the entire process. But did you know this before? No, no, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know this. I thought you had to, had to, had to have it. But so it then, is, why does everybody go to the community because board? Because if you skip over them and there's like your odds of getting denied are much higher. So if By you the have SLA. The, yes. So if you have the community board on your side, the like you will most likely get a liquor license from the SLA. Is there an actual part of the application to the SLA that says have you been granted community I think board? that they are in communication. They are. Okay. So interesting. So this could is conditional denial. Is that like a, is that a real designation? It's like or is this is that sort of where the gray area is? That's where the gray area is. And like I mean, we have decided to work on getting all of our permits in order and going about it the way that the community board wants us to because we they're going to get really angry if we just go over their heads basically right. at so this to, point. <laughs> so just to make sure that I'm envisioning this appropriately, there're two spaces there were separated by a wall. You're taking a wall down so that you can connect them and share license. And that's the permit that is missing and holding you back right. from the first license. And yes. we really want to get this wall down. But the problem is because the bar space didn't have the certificate of occupancy before, now we're hitting a roadblock with the Department of Buildings to get that wall torn There's down. There's no CFO whatsoever. Nothing. So we're trying to get a LNO? 
letter of no objection. Right. Yep. Because mm-hmm. it hasn't been a space in use for so long. And also, we're not going to have more than 75 people. And who's so. doing this? Is your expediter working on this? Is Simon, we, the third partner, working on this? Yeah, both um, of our expediter and our, our third partner so are working on this. you do have this. a hired expediter Yeah, that's we help went with through our architect who well. has uh, an expediter that okay. she works with. But usually. both of the ADA bathrooms are also on the bar side. So if we don't knock that wall down, it means we have to construct another bathroom. It means that the bar side can't access the basement without going outside. So you can see how it causes a lot of mounting issues. Because the community board asked us, they said, why this space? Did you find other spaces? Why try to do this thing with two concepts in this split space? And we explained to them how important it is for us financially for the bar and the restaurant to share the basement area, to share the storage, to share the walk-in, and how, you know, we're telling them about this idyllic, quiet space with no standing room. You can't have all of that without having a condition, and the condition is that we're basically roommates with another business. Right. So yes, otherwise, we can't make enough money to. Right. Did they, did they seem. They seemed to receptive to that. that yeah. Okay. Um, and like and I said, saving on the bathroom, saving on the walk-in, it just makes sense for two small businesses to work together. Were there any other creative outlets that the architect had in mind of connecting without taking the wall down? Can you just put a doorway? Is that a different kind of permit? Um, oh, what if we did put a door in there? I think it's it's the, the permit to touch that wall mm-hmm. in general because it is technically two separate buildings. Um, but... So listening to them deliberating, deliberating though is pretty interesting because the one guy who's kind of like in charge of the whole thing, um, he was like, "Sorry, <laughs> Izzy's melting down, but it's gonna be okay." She got bored. Yeah, no, she's not bored. She's just probably hungry. Um, so he was just like, "I'm afraid of turning this group down because." Like, think about all the other people that have tried to be in this space that we hated. <laughs> like, Right. Oh, so there's been other we're people. We're the lesser have, evil. Yeah. Interesting. So, because you guys have the lease, obviously, now, yes. but there's other people who had gone before the community board. It sounds before. like it. It sounds like there had been a couple of people beforehand. Interesting. And, I mean, technically, we started this process before we had signed the lease, but... But that's just, what you're supposed to do in New York because of this yeah. issue. If you get denied and it's part of your business plan, yeah, like so, what you're supposed to do. Yeah, the community board meeting was two days after our lease officially started. So we had already applied and gotten on the docket. It just happened to be It just happened to work out that mm-hmm. way. Wow. So if you guys... So what happens if you can't separate the space, if you, like, you can't join the spaces and you have to operate it as two separate spaces well, or one that mess everything up? That's not even the worst option. Okay. <laughs> so we might have to be two separate spaces, <clears throat> but if we can't get any sort of certificate of occupancy at all, it means we need to renegotiate with our landlord because that space won't even be usable to us. We'll only be able to utilize the 94 side. And then it means that the bar isn't going to be our sister bar anymore. And it kind of melts down our whole concept because financially it works, um, bringing in clients, it works. So it won't be the end of the world if we have to apply separately and operate as two different places, but it will be pretty bad if she can't use that space at all. So that's like what we're praying doesn't so happen. So that's like DEF CON that's, that's, 5 yeah, yeah. Worst situation. Case scenario. Okay. To the point that we're like reaching out to people we know who've worked with the DOB and work at architecture firms and we're like, what do we do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Calling in all the favors right yeah. now. <laughs> no, I mean, that's what you have to do. Yeah. All right. So you're, so what are your next steps? You're going basically walk us so through that. So we are right now, um, our partner Simon and um, 
I guess it's the expediter. I don't know. Some someone else. Maybe our lawyer. Okay. Um, they're doing. They they put in a request to the DOB to find out what that space is zoned for exactly, mm-hmm. and it seems like they have to go back so many years that it's right, becoming very it, difficult. You said thirty years was yeah. the previous tenant, and who knows how long it was unoccupied before that? And there's just there's a lot of questions as to what it was, and it doesn't sound like anyone right now has the answers. Um, so yeah, we can't find anything on it. <laughs> so best case scenario, you get a letter of no objection for yes. that space. And that means that you don't have to reapply for a, certi- or a certificate of occupancy, or you still do? Um, I think we I think don't. We t- I was going to say, I think we do. I, I think I don't we don't. Know. <laughs> okay, so I don't know, but that would more be... More to come on that. Yes, that's something that the expediter would handle. And then um, we don't totally know why... Um, like the first round of permitting got stalled. Um, it's going to take a couple weeks to go through that whole process. So, you know, it might be because we didn't have a sufficient sprinkler plan or it might be because we need to have some fire door or something. Um, so we're still kind of waiting on that permit. But technically, because of our lease negotiations, that's the landlord's responsibility. That's not ours. So... If he can't get it done, we're going to step in and take over that permitting process and mm-hmm. then have to negotiate some sort of, like, pay because it's expensive, like, right. like for him to reimburse us for that um, or something. But Has your landlord been helpful with this process so far? Or Yes. Yeah. Okay. Because mm-hmm. he's probably motivated to I mean, get he it. wants us in the space. Yeah. Like, um, he definitely wants to sell the space as, as to, like, well, yeah. a he, single He thing. promised something that he couldn't guarantee, which is the issue right now. But I think, you right. know, he's I don't trying. think he even knew because he took over that, um, that building, building um, from his wife's deceased um, father or yeah. something. So, like, he, he wasn't even in charge. Like, he got grandfathered into this property. So, I guess he didn't even know that this was going to be an issue. Wow. So, there's just, this is like a little onion. We're just keeping yeah. peeling back the layers. <laughs> peeling much. back but, the layers. Yeah, it just, it sounds like the DOB also doesn't want to grant the um, breaking down of the wall because the bar space doesn't have any LNO or, or uh, CFO. Like, that's part of it. They don't want to connect this blatant restaurant to this unknown space. Yeah. So, so hopefully just, getting one of those things will help the DOB thing. Yeah, but it's everything is happen, happening simultaneously. Right. right. Yeah. And as fast as we can so we can get back to the community board. Yeah. So, I mean, and because we're waiting on this thing, like if we have to change plans, if we have to keep the spaces separate, um, that changes how we're going to be doing demo and that changes you know, where we're going to place certain things and our construct, our design. So everything is kind of paused until this gets resolved. Right. So you guys have hit the pause button and then have you already tried to get back on the docket for the community board again or not yet? Cause there's not really a point unless we have a permit in hand. I also don't know if they have the schedule for February out until February begins. So it'll mm-hmm. probably be another week before we can figure out when we can go. So do you have any idea of what this does to your initial timeline? I think that it's still going to be fine to have a summer opening. Um, We're really trying... So part of our lease is that we have six months to build out. Mm -hmm. And we're trying desperately hard to stay within that. Because if we have to start paying rent on a space that we're not making money on that... That makes everything a lot harder for us. Of so. course. Well, like, taking any responsibility for the, well, the issues with the two considering spaces? that the wall was a contingency written into the lease, if it becomes a huge issue that stalls us one or two months, I think it's worth talking to the landlord and saying, like, hey, 
you said we could do this and you know you didn't do your homework and now it, it held us up two months maybe he'll extend it so that's um, well, we might be able to renegotiate yeah um, could you back out of the lease yeah, I think that's that's definitely that's definitely a possibility. That's the that's the DEFCON possibility if we can't get any occupancy of ninety six at all. That's the scary Which one. Which we really don't want because we really like this space. I a know lot. they do. You How can much see money is already eyes. in? Can you tell us that? Um, just a what is the deposit? I forget. Um, yeah, just the lease money, the deposit, the security, and the and it's the like we have in. like fifty thousand dollars in right now. Okay. But if you guys, if you have to back out of the lease, you get your deposit back because you have that contingency written into it. I think that would be the situation. Yeah, I yeah. I mean, we'd have to talk to our other partner because he's the one that's dealing with all yeah. that. Yeah, but it was. I mean, could, like this also is a great lesson for our listeners. If there is something that is an unknown in your lease, make sure you put contingencies if it's part of your business plan. So if part of your business plan is getting that wall combined, like that was great that you guys have yeah. it in. And worst case scenario, you walk away from the space. But yeah, you know, that's hopefully that's not going to happen. That's <laughs> worst case scenario. We're thinking positive. Um, all right. Well, this was super fascinating. Yeah. And <laughs> and um, we are fingers crossed. Everybody send positive vibes yes, for please, Alina please, and Yael. <laughs> and if you know anybody or if you are in Community Board District 2 in New York City, follow for when they are going back and go and like root for these young business entrepreneurs. Know, um, we're really nice. And we're really quiet. They're really <laughs> nice. They're really quiet. They have hardworking and, you know, super dedicated and passionate. So, um, we'll be doing up- updates as well as we go through the season and chatting with, uh, other guests will also be updating you on previous guests. So you'll hear a little bit about how they're doing and, and where they end up. All right. Um, and with that, let's talk about who's opening soon. You guys have any other friends you want to shout out that are coming up openings in the next month or two? Um, I don't know if anyone is at the point where they're oh, able well, to you know, announce it. Um, Nibon, the new bar goto place, just opened. Oh, that's true. It opened, like, today. Where is it? Um, in Williamsburg. No, okay. it's not. It's on Bergen Street by my house. I'm really oh, excited. So it's in, like, mm-hmm. Crown Heights-ish area. So I'm really excited to go there. And I'm really pumped that they're opening now. <laughs> opening now. and um, Any day now. <laughs> We're excited for we got a sneak peek of Gage and Tolner last week. Which oh is, yeah, I you guys, this place is bananas. We've like, been looking I, at their fundraising oh. models. So oh really? Yeah, yeah. it's like thanks the, guys. <laughs> they're so nice. It's such a nice, nice team, and the space is just so crazy. So watch out for that to come. Um, and then there's Silver Lion at the Riggs Hotel down in Washington D.C. who um, are outfitted in some Tillet gear, including jumpsuits. So check them out. Um, Don Wagyu is reopening in New York City and Vesuvius Bakery is also reopening from the team behind Kempton Hotel um, and Print. So that'll be interesting to see. Special thanks to Yael and Alina for coming and sharing your story with us, not once but twice. It was (laughs) really, really, really interesting and we are all rooting for you. Um, you. We'll post a wrap-up of today's show on tillitnyc.com and we'll also send one to your inbox, so get on our email list. Can you tell everyone where they can follow your journey? Uh, You can follow us at our Instagram at FuriesNYC, F-U-R-Y-S-N-Y-C, or at my Instagram, Smoked Saba. Or mine, Ellie Chan, so E-L-E-C-H-A-N. 
All right. And you can follow The Journey on Heritage Radio and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or anywhere else where you get your podcast. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at We Are Opening Soon and at Tillit NYC. And if you love the show, please review us on iTunes. It makes a huge difference for spreading that true restaurant grit and what it takes to be an entrepreneur. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, guys. Thank Thank you. you. Opening soon is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org, and connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You could also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening.